And in this episode, we are going to run through the entire season two episode list and give you our take on why you would listen and what there is um, really kind of as the essence of that episode. And so let's get into it. Welcome to the Making It in Asheville podcast. We're your hosts, Sarah and Tony. Uh, this is a podcast where we typically interview a local Asheville maker. We find out what they're making and how they're making it in Asheville. Final episode of season two, and we're excited to share it. It's what we've, what we're trying to do, I, I think, on this episode is just make the entire season more approachable. We have no expectation that you would listen to every single episode. If you do, thank you. Um, but this is intended to be a little bit of like a, a sampler dish, a, a little appetizer sampler that allows you to taste all of it and choose if you want to order one as your entree. I love that metaphor. That's that's the perfect example. Yeah, so we're going to go through each episode, share a little bit about what we loved, share a soundbite, to, uh, and hopefully you'll get to sort of get a taste of what this whole season was about. Awesome. And so um, what do you say we get into it? Let's dive in. Cool. Right. And so like last episode, we're going to set a little parameter here that says two minutes per episode as a max. We're going to try and go a little bit faster, but two minutes seems to be uh, fast enough. Uh, you'll hear a little soundbite from each episode. Plus, you will also hear our commentary on what we remember, what stands out to us, and why you might want to check out that episode. All right. So uh, the first episode of this season was, I want to say, episode 20, episode 20 with Connie Matisse of East Fork. It was very small space, maybe like, I'm not even going to guess, but it was like a tiny little fraction of the size of this factory. Um, and so we moved here in October and thought that we could get like five years out of this space and we're already having to think about what's next. Just making ceramics the way we're doing it, just it takes a lot of space. There's a lot of big machines and um, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're all cozy in here for sure. Yeah, this was a really big episode for us. Um, we were so grateful to be able to interview the co-founder of East Fork Pottery, Connie Matisse. She's also the chief uh, marketing officer, or chief creative officer of East Fork. So a lot of what you see from the communication and from East Fork is sort of the creative brainchild of Connie's. Yeah, and um, that episode for me was was a lot of things because it introduced, I think, a scale that we had not really been able to talk about so far on making it in Asheville. Yeah, a the, manufacturing scale. A, a, yeah, yeah, like their goal mm -hmm. is to be the biggest of what they do in the country. And that's big. That's really big. That is um, honestly unlike anyone um, that I know of mm -hmm. or have had the opportunity to sit down with. And so to think about a business at that scale is really special. And Connie did a, I think, in tremendous job of telling a brand story and speaking to some of those goals and some of the difficulties building mm -hmm. a company with that large of an intention. One of the things that stands out is they're like rapidly outgrowing giant factory spaces in town. 
Like they had a space that they thought would be five years and they're outgrowing it in about one year. Yeah, yeah. So hearing a lot about their growing pains was very interesting. The other part that was quite interesting was Connie was really honest with us about how they tell stories about their business. Um, if you've ever followed any of Eastwork's newsletters or Instagram, you know that they share a lot about themselves. They share a lot of personal details and they're very, very honest in the way that they communicate to their customers what's going on, um, including failures and problems that come up. They are very transparent with that. So we got to you know, find out a little bit more from Connie why and how they take that approach. And the underline is that they try and treat customers like real people who Mm -hmm. are worthy of honest conversations. And so a lot to learn in that episode. That was two minutes, though. Um, And so check it out, episode 20 of Making It in Asheville. And episode 21 was with Jack Roche of Old North. Here's the audio clip. There is something absolutely mysteriously special about when you can do something and you don't know that you're doing it and it's effortless. It is absolutely like, I got to do this. I have to do it. And it's, you don't monitor your time. You know, oh God, you know, whatever it's, there's no whining. It is just a thing. And it's not even a thing that you have to like get up and have good, you know, routine. And I've done the worst things and been good at them too. But when you can do it and it's like effortless, it's amazing. So I'm on, I'm in hot pursuit of that. And so Jack is truly a jack of all spades. And uh, he would say... Jack of all traits. Jack of all spades. <laughs> jack of all spades, not hearts, not diamonds. He's one of a kind. He is He's one. a jack of spades. Jack of spades. Um, jack is, a, is, a, is unlike anyone that we've probably ever met. The, the guy has traveled the world um, and... What he's working on today is this incredible retail store in downtown Asheville. We've talked about it a lot in other episodes. We talk about it as part of our story. Um, and I just, I was kind of fascinated by the psychology and like anthropology that showed up in that episode. Yeah. Um, so Old North was really a pioneer in Asheville. They're one of the first high quality men's clothing wear that was for this generation. Yeah, like aud- audaciously was selling $300 mm-hmm. jeans instead of Levi's or uh, Wrangler, though they do sell Levi's. Um, anyway, I, I think that the key here is, again, it's like zigging when the rest of the world is zagging and standing really strongly in a concept and an idea that you believe in. Um, yeah, and, and to that, and in, in this episode, I thought was really interesting how Jack talked about the dichotomy between trying to appeal to the masses, right? Because they have to make money, so they got to sell T-shirts, they got to sell, you know, jeans that the average person's going to want to buy. But at the same time, they have always been a pioneer in curating these apparel items that are very unique and are one of a kind and on trend or way ahead of the trend in the industry. One of the most talked about episodes ever was this episode. Yeah. All right. So now, uh, episode 22, here's a quick soundbite. We have those conversations a lot about reminding newer baristas or being really precious with your craft that, like, you you don't know that person's story and like let's find a way to perhaps dialogue about like how can I meet your needs or in a non-threatening way be like oh why don't you talk to me about what it is that you are wanting and then maybe we can find a way that you don't have to waste a paper cup or you don't have to 
you know, how can I supplement this drink so it still tastes good and it doesn't affect your health? And so that was Emily Peel from High Five Coffee. And we sat down with her on the riverside of the French Broad at High Five Riverside. And the the word that we used in when we look back on that episode is like the empathy. There was so much empathy that Emily had uh, expressed and like ways that she thought about how customers might be feeling uh, that that's the thing that I think about when I think about that episode. Yeah, for sure. Empathy is a huge part of this episode. Um, We also talk a lot about the coffee community in Asheville and what stands out about the community that's particular to here and how High Five has played an important role in that. Totally. And, and, you know, just to to be clear, this was coming out right around when a big coffee expo was happening in town. Mm -hmm. And so um, those two things, right, really thinking about the community in, in Asheville around coffee um, which is kind of like a second community. When people think Asheville, they think beer. They're not necessarily thinking coffee roasters. So it was great to hear how they all kind of work together on a project like this. Um, but I, another thing that, that I'm thinking about it is that in that Emily uh, story, like she doesn't own High Five. She's not the, and that was like one mm-hmm. of the first times that we interviewed someone who wasn't a founder, owner, yeah. CEO. But what's interesting is that she's so invested exactly. in this brand that, and she treats it seriously like it is her own baby, even though she's an employee of the company. Um, the way that she talks about it is very much a sense of ownership. For sure. And that's a huge lesson. So if you are not a owner, but you work at a business, there's a lot to be learned about how she chose she stepped into these um manager roles and that has made a world of difference so enjoy that episode episode 22 okay so moving on here's a sound clip from episode 23 i lead a lot of the yoga hikes and especially with these groups that come together even if it is a planned bachelorette party or women's weekend you know, maybe they've only met a few times and they're coming from different walks of that bride's life. Um, it's so amazing to see the transformation just in the two and a half hour experience, uh, the way that they bond with one another, the way they just reconnect with themselves just for this short yoga hike and practice. It is, it's really special. It's really beautiful to allow people to, you know, step out of their day-to-day hustle and take time to slow down and, like, recognize beauty all around them. So in episode 23, we sit down with the two women behind Asheville Wellness Tours, Nicole Will and Sue Ann Fisher. Uh, We talk a lot about how they found their niche in their business. So Asheville Wellness Tours, they run um, wellness-focused experiences and tours around Asheville and the surroundings. So it's a very, very unique uh, business idea. Yeah, and you know, more than just the tours, they also seem to have this like really strong level of concierge. So the idea that I'm left with is like, if you want to come to Asheville for some sort of a weekend let's say, and you want that weekend to have anything to do with wellness, Mm -hmm. you should talk to these two because they're going to hook you up with um, all of the right people locally. Mm -hmm. The thing that we've done with them is yoga on a mountain, and that was awesome. I I like to say that it's like 
I'm bougie now. I don't do yoga unless it's on a mountainside and there are cows around because it was such a peaceful experience. Mm -hmm. I find myself drifting in yoga classes, like paying attention to stuff that I I don't intend to pay attention to. But Mm -hmm. on a mountainside, I was very, very grounded. Yeah. And and so I think the biggest lesson from this episode was how the two of them really listened to their customers and what they were saying. People were saying, we want, we don't want to have to plan a bachelorette weekend um, that's wellness focused. We want someone to do it for us. Um, so they, they were very tuned into that. And finally, like they're just a wealth of knowledge of wellness things to do in Asheville, which we talk a lot about those experiences in the episode too. Beautiful, beautiful souls, like so thoughtful. And uh, I, you're going to like episode 23. Next up is episode 24. And let's check out a little soundbite from episode 24. Oh, yeah. Everything I need to know I learned as a bartender. There was a book called I Learned as a Kindergartner, but mm-hmm. maybe somebody wrote that book as a bartender, but maybe I should write it. But. I think that sounds and like a book title waiting to happen, though. Mm-hmm. For yeah. Sure. yeah. And all I did was listen. And people would be like, man, this happened and this happened. And, and like an hour later, I haven't, I've said four words. And they're like, I love you, man. just listening here and you know they walk i love that guy zach he's that's my dude it's like i did i I literally said like two sentences and but it was body language as well and it was just connecting and but you know body language is huge here when you when someone walks in and they're not into it if a guy comes in here with a fancy suit and he knows his stuff and he doesn't want to talk you don't try and sell to him. You just let him do his thing. But there's ways to sell to him, but you got to read that first. And and I'm not trying to upsell anybody or, you know, I just want to connect the person with the right bottle. That is the honest truth. There are people that have goal, or like sales goals and all that. We don't do that here, but that they, they push the high-end bottle. And because the, they just want that instant sale, but... I know that we're going to get more people coming back if we sell them what they need or want and if it's at good value or a great price. So, And so that's Zach Edson. He is the, I believe, general manager of uh, Metro Wines, which is a wine shop right on Charlotte Street in Asheville. Um, Zach moved to town around the same time that we did, uh, and we met him because Metro Wines is our local wine shop. And uh, we were impressed right out of the gate by like the knowledge and experience and like how much thought went into the way uh, everyone at Metro Wine had served us. And so we wanted to kind of unpack some of that and learn from them if we could. Yeah, it's a really interesting episode to learn more about the wine industry and what it's like to work in that industry. Um, but also Zach's approach to customer service he talks, we, we, we talk a lot about how wine in many ways is like a library or a bookshop that going in, you don't, you can look at a label or a cover, right? And you have no idea what you're going to get. And so that's where the customer service comes into play. Having someone there who's knowledgeable, who can help guide you, who can find exactly what your tastes want. Yeah. And to pull that out of people of uh, varying types is definitely a skill. The other thing that I remember as being uh, a huge lesson because what we've noticed is a lot of you listeners might not actually live in Asheville yet, but think about moving to Asheville. His story of trying to find a place um, that would suit him and his family 
um, because he is not the owner, founder, CEO of Metro Wine. So uh, that whole experience I thought was uh, very insightful and, and helpful, I imagine, for some portion of our audience. Cool. Moving on to episode 25. Oh, man. I don't, so I don't know what soundbite we'll share for this, but episode 25 was our lessons from planning a wedding in Asheville. If we have a soundbite, it'll play now. <laughs> the date yes. and the venue are like everything because you can't pick anything else without having the date or the location first because the other vendors depend on that. So that was like the big thing that we had to figure out first. But I will say back up a second because the first thing that we did before we even looked at venues was think about our vision for the wedding, which sounds so silly, but we are such business-minded people that we were like, okay, we're going to have a mission statement of our wedding and we're going to try and plan everything based on that. And I think that it was really, really powerful, even if we didn't stick to it entirely. It was really powerful. Cool. So uh, episode 25, we had just got married and we were doing a recap of that whole experience. Yeah, th- this was a little, this was deviating a little bit from our normal episode structure, but we felt like it was a really important topic um, to highlight because so many people do get married in Asheville. It's a huge industry here. Huge. Yeah. And, 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 you know, we had a unique experience where we used so many local vendors and we wanted to be able to share the lessons that we learned, mm-hmm. um, the challenges that we faced and the things that we loved the most about getting married in Asheville. Yeah. And I would say that two of the lessons, if I can remember them and I don't honestly, um, were around like we should, you should have, if you're going to get married, have a wedding planner. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was just like a huge part mm-hmm. of it. It took so much of the like mental burden off. Um, have a wedding planner. It is uh, it is most certainly worth it. And the other thing was, uh, I think it was about mission. Like we wrote a mission statement for our wedding. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that that also helped us stay grounded through the process. Yeah. So we unpack that. We unpack a lot of the tools and resources that we used when planning and the advice that we would give ourselves if we could look back and and do it all over again cool and the you know the show notes have all sorts of uh the wedding resources that we use and recommend and some that might have made it more confusing or complex and necessary so uh, episode 25 guaranteed to please if you or someone you know is getting married in or around Asheville. next up is episode 26 with holiday childress let's hit a quick soundbite from that episode but i had to say goodbye. And so at at the same time, it was scary. It was very empowering to me because I was kind of like, uh, I wasn't saying F you to my clients, but I was saying F you to, um, fear. And I was saying F you to, uh, I was saying hello and amen to, uh, coming into my full self and my passion and and, and everything. So yeah, yeah, so it was good. So we had met Holiday well before our wedding, um, and we interviewed him before the wedding as well. But we held this episode until after the wedding because Holiday was the, like, I don't know, he, he 
his business is called Holiday Grooms. And so, yes, he's a barber. Yes, he's a hair colorist in town. Yes, he has his own um, kind of uh, studio in Sola Salon. But his business thing is special events for groomsmen and grooms on their wedding day. And so I used him to groom my father, myself, and my brother mm-hmm. on the morning of our wedding. And it was lovely. And I wanted to be able to talk about that. Yeah. So we share, well, Holiday shares the story behind how he started Holiday Grooms, how we got the idea. We talk a little bit about the branding process, which was very interesting because he has a fantastic brand look and feel. Um, and then and then we also, you know, I think there's a sense of vulnerability in this episode because Holiday shares a lot about how he's been thinking about this for so many years, but never taken the leap to do it until recently. Mm-hmm. And we we sort of unpack what that felt like. Yeah what the process was for him. And it was a beautiful process. And, you know, he's very thoughtful, right? He's got a lot of history here in Asheville. He moved here. He's been a musician. He got into hair. Like, the story is long and thoughtful and beautiful. And so, um, you know, we love Holiday. I personally love Holiday. I now still get my hair cut from him. But um, I think he's hard not to love after you get to spend the amount of time that we did on this episode, hearing his story and hearing his vision. You got to root for him. And so that was episode 26. Number 27 is, uh, Uwe products, Gabriel Hargett. Let's check out that sound bite. One last thing yeah. that is interesting. So like when we go to like, if I post a job, job posting, like, Hey, we're going to hire someone for production, which is someone who works in the shop and they cut and brand and run sewing machines and, make things out of leather with their, with their hands. I get all these awesome applicants and like emails and like most of them read with like, I know my resume is like all restaurants and banking or something, but I just want to make stuff with my hands mm. and I can like relate to that. Like mm-hmm. it's like a primal instinct or something mm-hmm. where you kind of like, just like want to create something and it's kind of like gratifying. Like they say people that drive like heavy machinery are super happy because they're like, move that big pile of dirt and then they can immediately see that they what they did yeah you, know, you can like immediately get that and so i think there is some of that i mean definitely going on here where you can see like oh there was hides of leather and now we have finished product and there's some gratification in that process uh which is what you're feeling where you want to make something so that was gabriel hargett he is the founder of ui products a personalized leather goods company yeah and like one of the ways that they describe it in the episode or he describes it is like they do at this point a lot of promotional products Mm -hmm. so they have built a pretty awesome and we got to go to it uh factory out in candler where they're customizing uh and, and logos labels for all sorts of products from what was their first product a pint glass sleeve made of leather that was hand stitched um, into all sorts of stuff. And so the, his clients today are sort of bananas with like all of the bourbon belt has used them for custom leather, um, sleeves for, you know, bourbon bottles and, uh, Tito's vodka and Mercedes Benz. And so anything made of leather that is customized and hand stitched, they seem to do. Um, and, yeah. and, And what I love about this episode is that Gabriel's story of how he started Ui is very unique. He always loved working with his hands and he started working with leathers. He made his own pint sleeve. Anyways, long story short is that he had a full-time job 
And he didn't move into owning and starting this company until he was sure that he was going to make enough money. So it was the story of someone who, rather than made a huge leap into it and took all the risks, it was very gradual and very stable. So Sarah didn't take the and the way that I wanted to, but that is a great point. <laughs> the, the slow and thoughtful transition is a great point. But and uh, UI Products employs adults on the autism spectrum, and that is mm-hmm. a beautiful story to hear. Um, episode 26 with Gabriel was... 27. Tw- ooh, 27 with Gabriel was wonderful. I am sure you'll love it. Next is episode 28. Let's check out the soundbite. Yeah, I think that's been an important thing to realize that um, if something goes wrong or a client's not happy, like there is nobody else to blame except for me. There's no boss that can handle it. There is no other employees that can like take the blame. Like I am the only person accountable. So that was Alyssa Phillips. She is the girl behind Amped Designs, which is a logo and designing business here in Asheville. Um, We released this episode right after we had finished doing our branding uh, and new logo for the Making It in Asheville podcast with Alyssa. So it was really fun to be able to talk with her about how she got into design, um, how she thinks about the client process, like the, the steps that she takes her clients through when they work with her, um, and, and how she thinks about investing in her own business. Yeah, and it was, to your point, it was great that we got to, to do this all after working with her, after experiencing what it was like to be a client. Um, there's, a, there's a lot in this episode uh, that um, I th- suspect would be considered valuable for people in the service business, um, meaning you're working directly with clients mm-hmm. and delivering something that's not necessarily a widget. So um, Gabriel's episode and stamping out leather is tremendous, but if you're you know, writing copy or making designs or painting or printing or whatever it is that's a service, yeah. this one's pretty special. Yeah, and the last thing I'll note, the one thing that I loved about this episode was Alyssa is an introvert. Um, I am also an introvert, so I find this particularly interesting, but she's an introvert, but she networks so much. Mm. She knows so many people in Asheville. She goes to so many events. She's involved in clubs and groups and all of this stuff. So we talk a little bit about what it's like being an, um, an introvert, how to network when you are an introvert and, you know, tips for introverts in general. Yeah. Um, that was, it was, a it's like an anthropology apology experiment for me because I am the opposite of introverted but a lot of good a lot of good stuff happening in episode 27 I was it 28 dang I keep messing it up that Mm -hmm. was episode 28 you're gonna (laughs) love that one (laughs) with Alyssa and so now episode 29 uh, five marketing ideas to help your business make it in Asheville and let's check out a little soundbite we don't necessarily believe in wholesale Uh, 10% off or 15% off for signing up for our email list. Value has many forms and it is not necessarily and explicitly just a discount on price. Value is information. Value is... um, Being the first to know about a new product or a new event or whatever it may be. Right. And so um, that is where we would want you to lean in your email marketing is how can you create value for your audience, things that they care about, things on brand. Um, And, you know, this is a great channel for storytelling. This again was a solo episode with Sarah and myself. And 
what we did was kind of share, we built out a document when we first started thinking about our own business, about like what we might do to support it with marketing activities and realized that it was pretty good. And then we made it into a much longer document built for other people around how you can think about growing your own brand and your business here in Asheville. Um, and we shared the top five or what we consider to be the top five of those tips in this episode. Yeah, so it's a little taster of some unique ideas that you might be able to use in your own business. Um, We try to always tie it back to specifically to Asheville where we can. Um, So it's it's both broad and specific to this community. We hope that you find it helpful. Yeah, and a kind of underscore here is that we a lot of them when we could tied that we tied them to specific conversations we had had with past episode guests yeah um, like little case studies and and use them as as something of case studies and so um you know some of them are perhaps unique and maybe things that you hadn't heard of before but most of them uh are not revolutionary it's just uh, a matter of execution and doing it in your own voice and doing it in your own way and so that's what we wanted to champion in that episode great Uh, so here is a soundbite from episode 30 so this is where I'll bring in, like, we have these wonderful remote relationships, people globally that have helped us. This is the Making It Nashville podcast. So, like, no better time to introduce how much the citizens of Asheville and, and, and the type of selflessness and, and camaraderie that you can build in, in, in such a close-knit community has, has helped. So there were people, a few people at the gym that I mentioned who quite simply, they were trying to help me succeed. And and while ultimately these individuals weren't a part of what we're now doing from a business standpoint, and what I found just repeatedly living here is that they were just very much giving of their time and able to just get me started with the basics when otherwise I think I would have struggled and I wouldn't have taken those first steps. So just being able to set up some kind of uh, uh, you know, ability to take people's credit card information and get the LLC and get going when otherwise I don't think I would have. I, I had that help in the form of, I think you could say, my first business mentors who were just other people at that gym um, cool. at, at the time. That was Zach Greenwald. He is one of the founders of Strength Ratio, which is a very unique uh, weightlifting and strength fitness gym here in Asheville. Unique in so much as there aren't many places around that are like training in what is considered weightlifting, which is an Olympic sport. Um, otherwise, it looks a lot like a CrossFit gym. Otherwise, it looks a lot like a very functional mm-hmm. uh, group-based practice um, that looks and feels a little bit like a CrossFit gym. But in the episode, Zach kind of breaks down his worldviews on fitness on training as like a longevity uh, focus and underlines all of the ways that they are very much unlike any other gym, CrossFit or otherwise. Uh, Really, really enjoyed that episode. Yeah. One of the things that sticks out to me is how Zach goes about caring for each of his customers. If you just listen to him, you'll get a sense of like, wow, this guy really, really cares about his athletes and the people that he trains and they go above and beyond to make sure all of their customers are feeling safe and secure and happy and are, you know, getting 
evidence-based fitness advice. Yeah, and um, there's a lot about this episode that I, I remember and was meaningful. One of the things I remember that wasn't meaningful is that the recorder actually uh, turned off in the middle of it, battery died, and then I forgot to press record again. And so this actually happened over two sessions. Um, and it just, to Sarah's point, it the grace with which Zach allowed us to bother him again and record another episode um, is exactly how he shows up in his community. Uh, we, we are all, I personally am all in on strength ratio. I think that they're up to something really special in Asheville and I'm, I'm glad to have met them. Um, really hope that you check out this episode. Cool. And that was, uh, just about two minutes. We are somehow keeping on track. Well done, Sarah. And next up is episode 31 and let's check out a little soundbite. So then what's the difference? If, if we're doing, if we're doing value-based work, it almost doesn't matter what it costs me. There is, I don't know how many examples, but there are examples of artists who design logos in like seconds, seconds. So if you're going to say, oh, well, that cost me how much ink and how much do I charge per second? That's a not, that's not how you begin to quantify how much that logo should cost, right? What you're really asking and you're right on a gap is what does the world look like if you don't show up in your customer's life. Now, what would it look like? What could it look like if you handed them the solution that you make or if you gave them the bag that you designed and created or if you provided them the logo? What does the world look like for them? Um, That should be graphed differently. And the space between those two lines of normal future and future with you is all value creation. This episode um, came out right as we were approaching Thanksgiving. And we honestly, Sarah and I were just thinking a lot about the idea of thankfulness and gratitude. Um, and another word that we, we rank higher than that, uh, which is appreciation. And so the episode is really about um, money and thinking about money uh, and how it relates to appreciation. Yeah, so we, we do a deep dive into money issues like feeling icky about money and how you can use appreciation as a different framework to feel less icky about money. But then we also do something really interesting, which is talk about three different pricing models. And so we go into detail how you might think about pricing your product or service. We talk about the benefits of each of the three different pricing models and we share with you which one we think is the best one for sure. And that was, um, you know, and uh, what, what we'll say on this one is that we live in a town, Asheville, that is loaded with artists. And oftentimes there is, a a trend that artists are not, would not self identify as good with making money. They're good at making art. Uh, It is special when you can do those two things. And so this episode intends to be helpful for you if you're not necessarily a salesperson or think about selling and don't want to price too high and all Mm. of those things. um, Really try and be as clear and simple about money and and pricing and creating value and uh, allowing people to show you appreciation with money. So uh, loved that episode. 
was very important. Agreed. All right, so episode 32, here is a soundbite from Honey. Somebody told me something that was very, very important, and Mm. that luck is not luck, it's preparation. And that really changed how I saw things, because opportunities will come all day long, but if you're not prepared, you're not prepared. And that's what luck is. It was when preparation and opportunity meet. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the most important thing that you could tell anybody, you know, is that if you're going to start something, just know that. And I think we're prepared now. And so the the fans have spoken about how much (laughs) they loved this episode. Honey had a energy um, that really started to shine at at the, like, the back end of the conversation, but it was so infectious that like Sarah and I were bouncing around for the next couple of days. Yeah. Yeah. We just we really love talking with her. So honey, she has a, um, apparel business called a different world and something that sh- she has been working on for years. It's an idea that she's had since she was probably a child. Um, we talk a lot about building a brand in a community cause she seems to have a very, very strong, tribe of followers and we go deep into crowdfunding which is something that she's looking to do in 2020 yeah and i think that that uh when i think about this episode it's you got it with uh, it, it she's built a incredible community globally locally and globally that supports her and her vision and this business but then uh she's thinking about leveraging that community to fund the future growth of different world. Mm-hmm. And so we got pretty tactical and like strategic and, and got into thinking about crowdfunding um, and all of its intricacies in this episode. Um, I have a little bit of a background in crowdfunding, so it was very like fun to think about mm-hmm. the messaging and how to pull the levers on a crowdfunding campaign. But um, yeah, it was just it was such a fun conversation. Yeah, yeah. and what, what I'll add is... Um, we also talk a little bit about diversity versus inclusion, mm. which is a very, um, I think, sensitive topic here in Asheville. Um, but but it was really nice to hear Honey's opinion on it. And lastly, this was like one of our one of our most listened to episodes, like within the first week. Yeah, she. I mean, the, her community came yeah. out and and has supported in a big way. And so, I think when you listen to her speak, you'll understand uh, why people want to. Be on Team Honey. We're on Team Honey 2020. Team Honey. Uh, Let's be stickers. (laughs) Yeah, we'll let you know about the crowdfunding campaign when it happens. Uh, Next up is our final interview of the season, and it was uh, episode 33. Let's get a little soundbite. The craft beer industry is growing, but it's growing small single digits. And for years, probably eight-ish years in a row, it's growing strong double digits. Then it crept down to like nine, six, five, four. So we're hovering on four or five percent right now. Beer overall is down just a tick. So even though you're seeing an explosion of the different breweries on the grocery shelf, that shelf space isn't increasing. So we're all there are there are thousands more of us trying to get on that shelf and it's not increasing so the pie slices have just gotten smaller and smaller so the competition is really tough um so we've had to get a lot more focused on how we compete and it's made us a better company so that was leah wong ashburn the president and ceo of highland brewing she is a like the second generation ceo her father founded highland 25 years ago and it was the first legal brewery in Asheville since the prohibition 
And we got to hear the entire story of like the rise of the Asheville beer scene. Yeah, I mean, Highland was really a pioneer in the Asheville beer scene. We got a really unique story from Leah on what the beer industry was like, how she came into the business, right? Because she didn't start with the business. It was her father's business. She came into it much later. And then we talk about where they're headed and what they're thinking about in the future. Yeah, there were a lot of points in this in that 25-year journey that kind of stood out to me, um, especially in you know modern history. So we don't know the old Highland logo. I've seen it a couple times. We've only seen it post-rebrand. And so uh, we asked a lot of questions about that process of stepping into the business and help guiding uh, the future of Highland, right? The, mm-hmm. the next 20 years, um, they've done so much, it seems, to support this community, to build uh, a very clean and like environmentally conscious business locally in Asheville. Um, and they built like a very, I'd call it a compound at this point, a compound that is intended to be like a resource for a lot mm-hmm. of people. There are trails on the property. There's uh, public spaces and there's uh, all sorts of family friendly activities to make your weekends that much easier when you uh, have maybe little kiddos. Yeah. And, and finally, I think the thing that although it wasn't, wasn't explicitly said in the episode, Leah's um, manner, the way that she speaks, the way that she talks is incredibly poised and incredibly concise. And it really made us think, okay, how can we infuse more of that into our own speaking, into the way that we talk on the podcast? I have not figured that out. I will <laughs> ramble all day. Uh, but there is a level of, you, to your exactly right, professionalism that... Um, was really impressive and not surprising, Mm -hmm. but very impressive. And our last episode was episode 34. I only wanted to do that because it's like so clear that there are infinite ways that you can support the community and make somebody very happy with like a really cute and thoughtful gift and do it all in town. Yeah, I mean, we're all about like spending intentionally, spending less. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but buying the things that you really, truly love. And that was, uh, came out last week and we honestly just, we love shopping local. We love supporting local Mm -hmm. businesses. And so this holiday season, we put together a list, a gift list, a gift guide. And these were our top 10 picks. Yeah. So in the episode, we share with you a little bit of background information about each of the gift items that we chose, the story of the founders and why we love each of the items. So it was it was a great episode um, to learn a a little bit more about how you can shop around town, stay local, um, even though it was meant for, you know, the holidays. And, we know, this episode came out you know, Christmas Eve, I think. (laughs) So we're recording it in the past Mm -hmm. about the future. And uh, that is how funny podcasts, (laughs) and you can listen to this anytime as long as the internet exists. So uh, hopefully all these business exist in 2024 Mm -hmm. when you're listening to this episode for the first time. Um, But if you listen to it in, you know, 2020, January, these businesses Mm -hmm. will still be here and their products will still be amazing. And we still want you to support them and use this to, you know, uh, to get a special something for yourself or for someone you care about. Awesome. And that was season two 
of making it in Asheville. Wow. And this wow. episode, yeah. <laughs> this episode 35, yeah. uh, uh, the two-minute soundbite on that is that hopefully it helps you figure out what's going on uh, on the podcast. Yeah. And so, so just for context, um, this is episode 35. This is also our 35th week in Asheville, right? We put out an episode every week. Just about. Tony's like shaking his head. Oh, because the first two were in Brooklyn, but it's right around there. 33. Yeah. Yeah. 33 weeks. So we've been here since May. Um, And so what a fun and interesting ride it has been getting to know the community, interviewing so many incredible entrepreneurs, creatives, and artists here in town. We are so thankful for everyone who has tuned in so far, who has given us feedback um, as who, and who has joined the podcast. Yeah, and the, the word privilege, like it, it feels truly like a privilege to have been able to meet as many people as we've met. It feels like a privilege to get to share these stories. Um, we are, you know, a, a level of gratitude and appreciation um, at, of 10 out of 10. We cannot thank you, listener, enough for making it this far in this episode. I mean, the thought that people would listen is kind of like a really funny thing, but we're so thankful that you do. Uh, one of the thoughts that I, I'm thinking right now is how how grateful I am that we started this. Um, and it's, it's a really weird thing to think that it's like a baby, right? Because like people are like, oh, how long have you been in Nashville? We're like 36 weeks, you know, like because we started this, we have this mile marker, we have this yardstick by which we'll always know how long we've been in town. And it's just, it feels special for so many reasons. Um, there's n- no way that I, I think that we would have met as many great people if we didn't have this podcast. Um, listener, there's no way that you would know us. There's no way that we might get to know you if we didn't do this. And so um, one of my things I'm most grateful for in 2019 is that, Sarah, you said yes to, trying to figure out how to do a podcast. It's been a blessing. I'm grateful for that too. So as always, we'll have show notes uh, on, about the episode so you can have links to all the past episodes and a little bit of information about the things we talked about. Um, the show notes page is makingitinashville.com forward slash 035. And if you enjoyed this episode, uh, we will ask that you please let us know by visiting the link either in the show notes or link in the actual podcast player to Apple Podcast by liking and reviewing on Apple Podcasts. You help this podcast get found when people search either Asheville or small business or any one of the businesses that we've worked with. Um, the likes and reviews are a huge deal for getting these stories told. So thank you in advance for taking the time to like and review. And finally, we are planning to launch season three. Uh, So we'll have a whole lineup of interviews coming up in the first quarter of 2020. And we are very excited about the guests that we've already recorded for season three. If you have anyone that you think would be a great guest, please let us know. And you can do that on makingitinashville.com forward slash podcast there's a very easy survey to kind of fill out and let us know it can be you it can be a friend it can be a business that you're dying to learn more about just let us know um we're going even harder on podcasts in 2020 but we'll tell you more about that in the next episode until then 
Take care. Uh, have a great holiday. Have a great new year. And we will see you, uh, see you next Tuesday. <laughs> High five, Sarah. High five. See you next Tuesday is uh, <laughs> not something we should end a podcast with. Do you remember See You Next Tuesday? No. Uh, it was a childish way of saying the word. See you next Tuesday. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> that was so bad. Um, Goodbye.